Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and I'm so excited that you are here for Talk Healthy Today. I've got a fantastic guest. Her name is Erin MacDonald, RDN. She's been a registered dietitian for 23 years. She is a co-founder of You Rock Girl, a health and wellness website for women, providing information, recipes, products, and services to nourish the mind, body, and spirit. She is a co-author of No Excuses, 50 Ways to... Excuse me. Let me do that again. I'll edit that. Erin is a co-author of No Excuses, 50 Healthy Ways to rock breakfast. You've also got 50 healthy ways to rock lunch and dinner, right? That's correct. I love that. And when I decided that I wanted to write a book about health and sexual health and overall health, and I wanted to have a cookbook section, I immediately thought, who do I know who is amazing at taking spices and doing recipe development? Well, my friend, Erin. So Erin, welcome back to Talk Healthy Today. Thank you, Lisa. I am so honored to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on because one of the things I wanted to talk about was tips on creating delicious and healthy recipes. And as we go through these tips, I was super excited to use the recipes you did in my book, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. Again, it's not about dirty sex. It's a memoir, a cookbook, healthy lifestyle guide uh, as sort of the examples of how you put these together and what you do. But before we do that, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I always love to know how people first got into healthy living. It's so funny because, you know, I was going to school at UCLA for my undergrad and I have an undergraduate degree in psychology. But at the same time, I began this interest in nutrition and fitness and health. So I did all this studying on my own and people were constantly asking me for advice and tips. And once I had graduated, I thought, light bulb moment, maybe I should go back to school and actually get a degree in this stuff that I'm so passionate about. So I went back to grad school and got a degree in nutrition science. And that was, oh my gosh, a million and a half years ago. (laughs) I love what I do. I am so passionate about health and wellness and nutrition and using food as medicine because really food, we have to eat it every single day. It's what nourishes us and keeps us alive, but it's also unfortunately what can poison us. So I really try to show people how to take the most basic foods that are available to us and make them nutritious and delicious so that you're excited to eat and you eat with passion and gusto and you leave each meal feeling super satisfied and energized. Yeah. And that is what is key. Otherwise, people feel like they're being deprived. And, you know, in the book, uh, you know, Cleaning Any Dirty Sex, I share in the memoir portion how my mother used to take me to the health food store on Saturdays and it smelled like cardboard and carob. <laughs> and back then in the 70s, I mean, there wasn't a lot of choices and we didn't know things like cauliflower rice and veggie noodles instead of pasta. And this whole revolution of getting more creative with our healthy foods has been absolutely inspirational. And that actually brings us to the first tip in creating nutritious and delicious recipes is swap ingredients and substitutions. I just mentioned the cauliflower rice and the veggie noodles. I'm a huge Zoodle fan. When did you first learn about these types of things of using these veggies in a more creative way? I've actually been using them for quite a number of years, really before it became popular. But now that it's been an explosion on, you know, every social media channel, on Pinterest and Instagram, everyone's posting everything. I'm so thrilled. I'm excited that it's, you know, it's it's gained in so much popularity and it's become more mainstream now. You can go to very normal common chain restaurants and find cauliflower rice on the menu and veggie noodles as a substitute. And, you know, it used to be just in the day it was, oh, swap out the bun for a lettuce wrap. 
But now we've got all these other options, which it makes it so much easier to go out to eat if, if that's what you choose to do and have healthier options that you don't feel weird about asking for. You know, it used to be like the, the old, you know, when Harry met Sally days. <laughs> oh my, I'm still like that. You know, it used to be very almost taboo and you were kind of ashamed when you, you know, would go to a restaurant and say, oh, I'm so sorry to the waiter, but can I have this on the side? And can I have it prepared this way? And there were so many substitutions you were making and you felt like, you know, it was the worst thing you could do. Like it was an offense to the chef to ask for all these things to be made differently. Nowadays, it's very normal. And frankly, they, they give you so many options. Would you like cauliflower rice? Or would you like brown rice? Would you like white rice? Would you like quinoa? So now the options are available. So you can customize, you know, meals wherever you go to really suit your dietary preferences. It's so true. Now, I'm going to talk about some of the recipes in the book before we move on to nuts and nut flour, which I love. And we're going to talk about some of those recipes. You made a fantastic, uh, or created, I should say, a fantastic sweet potato noodles with garlic white beans and harissa sauce. You also have shrimp with cauliflower mash. And you also have another recipe with uh, cauliflower fried rice. So talk to us about the sweet potato noodles. And how did you know that though the harissa and the garlic and the beans would make a good combination? Well, part of the, part of the com combination of flavors that I always come up with is because of my passion for food. And I love all different ethnic cuisines. And really, when I create a recipe, I try to channel different ethnic profiles. That's really where all the flavors come from, because you can use any basic ingredients, but if you put the right flavor combinations together, that's the magic. That's the secret sauce. That's where food really tastes good. Now, sweet potatoes, I love. There's Me nothing too. better than a roasted sweet potato. Wrap it in some foil, roast it at a high heat till it's nice and soft, open it up and notice all the the natural syrup that pools at the bottom of the foil. Oh, it's a little bit of heaven. I don't need anything on it, but I love sweet potato noodles because it's that little bit of sweet, but that super hearty, you know, comfort food feel. And the, the white beans, again, everything is super hearty and comfort food and nourishing. And it kind of just makes you go, oh, that's so good. <laughs> you know, when you combine certain textures, you, you combine certain flavors and harissa is that really great, you know, Moroccan uh, fiery chili paste, and it can be rather hot. So if you do need to tame it down, you don't have to use as much, but it gives that pop of, you know, that burst of bright flavor and a little bit of heat and the white bean paste can mellow it out a bit. So it's not like you're being punched in the face with chili. So the common, you know, and you get the texture. So you get the sweet potato noodles, you get that, that, that mashed, you know, kind of white beans, and then you get the pop of flavor and the brightness and the, the acidity and the spice from the harissa. And you always want recipes to play with different textures different flavor profiles, different temperatures. So we want, you know, something mild and something hot, something acidic and something herbaceous and something soft and something crunchy. And that way you satisfy your whole palate. At the end of the meal, you walk away feeling super satisfied. And of course, you've got the garlic. Now, before we jump into the garlic, because I'm a garlic fanatic, what is the high heat for the uh, sweet potato to cook on? Would you say in the oven? <laughs> Oh, in the oven, if you were just to roast a sweet potato, I would probably put it at like 400, 425 until it gets nice and soft. You know, you can just kind of poke it a few times. It'll take, depending on the size of your sweet potato, it could take maybe 40, 45 minutes, give or take 15 minutes. If it's a really large sweet potato, it's going to take probably closer to an hour. 
All right. Now, I love garlic, as I mentioned. And that's what's so nice about that, because I love garlic with spice and then garlic with sweet, because you get the sweet potato, you get the spice and the punch from the harissa. It's delicious. Let's talk about the cauliflower mash. Now, I've made your cauliflower mash. Sometimes I serve it with your um, spiced chicken thighs, which I absolutely love, or I do it with the shrimp. You know, cauliflower mash is big now, but how do you, what, what is the right thing to know about the cauliflower? Is there a certain way that you should, you steam it? Should you bake it? Of course you can get clean eating dirty sex and you'll get all the ways to make it, but just what are some general ideas? My favorite way to do it is to roast the cauliflower florets in the oven because when you roast, and that's one of my tips, that's my third tip, it really is to caramelize, is when you're caramelizing the natural sugars found in vegetables or in meats or anything, you bring out this natural sweet side. So you're getting the nice cooked cauliflower that has a little bit of extra sweetness that you've caramelized. And of course, my favorite, like you, is the garlic where I roast cloves of garlic along with the cauliflower. And then that all gets put into the food processor. So you have a you know roasted garlic mashed cauliflower puree. And it's so filling and it's so just soul-riching goodness. Cauliflower fried rice, you can either buy a bag of already riced cauliflower, but buy the stuff in the refrigerated section, not the stuff from the freezer section. It will yield two completely different results. So you want to start off with raw cauliflower rice, or if you can't buy, if you can't find the riced cauliflower at your market, buy a whole head of cauliflower and break it into chunks and put it into your food processor and process it till it looks like Rice. Pieces of rice. <laughs> and then you're going to heat your avocado oil in your pan. And when it's nice and hot, you're going to add your riced cauliflower and, you know, saute, saute, saute. It probably takes about three to five minutes, depending on the size of your pan, if it's overcrowded or not. And then you add all your other veggies in until everything is just nice and cooked. And you add your, your wonderful sauce blend that I've created there. And it's just delicious. It really is. Now let's talk about, I mentioned some of the nut flour recipes. These are particularly good in desserts. You have an almond flour chocolate cake that is to die for. You also have a wonderful balsamic roasted strawberry shortcake. Those both use a nut flour, but then in your ooey gooey brownies, you have smooth cashew butter and you have almond milk. So it's so amazing what you can do these days with nuts. Is Would you say that's relatively new, Erin, or is that another thing that's new to maybe most folks, but you've been doing it for a while? It's new to most folks, and I've been doing it for a long time. I love almond flour in my baked goods because almond flour has such a richness. You know, when you bite into, say, that cake or the, oh, the shortcakes are so good. They're dense, but not dense in the fact like a hockey puck dense. They're buttery and wonderful crumb, a wonderful texture, and it's just very rich. I love rich decadent. I don't want a dried out something baked. It's, it's just not pleasant. You know, I want that mouthfeel, that luscious mouthfeel. So almond flour does that, provides that richness, and it's a wonderful substitute for any kind of, you know, wheat flour, whether it's white flour or whole wheat pastry flour. If you're trying to be gluten-free, grain-free like I am, almond flour is an excellent substitute. If you can't do almonds, you can try um, a cashew flour or a hazelnut flour. They're a little harder to find. You might have to make them yourself, but I would say if you could do almond flour, almond flour is the best to work with when you're trying at least your first round of going through grain-free baking. Almond flour is probably the most forgiving as well. So with the brownie recipe, we don't use any flour. We're just using nut butter. In this case, we're using cashew butter, but you can use your favorite nut and seed butter, nut or seed butter. And it works as an as a great flour substitute. Who would have thought that a nut butter could be a flour substitute in a baked good recipe? 
Now, the result is going to be much more dense, but in the case of brownies, I am an ooey gooey brownie person, not a cakey brownie person. So it was the perfect ingredient to uh, give me the, you know, the end product of these super ridiculously fudgy brownies. I mean, it's sinful and it's gooey and it's sensuous and God, you feel good at the end of it. Oh, they're so flipping good. I want to go back to one of the other recipes and then I want to jump back in desserts. Zucchini noodles with basil pesto. That is really, really yummy. I love pesto. I mean, I love food in general, but I think I make pesto once a week and really, okay, basil pesto is kind of classic. You know, that's your classic Italian pesto with basil and pine nuts and Parmesan cheese and garlic and lemon juice, salt, pepper, vinegar, olive oil. That's a real basic recipe. And you can play around with the ratios. There is no hard and fast rule that tells you how much of each ingredient you have to put in there. You kind of throw it all in the food processor and taste and adjust your flavors if you want more acidity or you want more oil or you want more garlic or you want more lemon. But you can play around with it. You don't have to use basil. You can use cilantro. You can use baby arugula. You can use Swiss chard. So pesto is one of those really cool things where you can swap out any green you can pretty much swap out any nut for any nut and seed you like. You could swap out the cheese for nutritional yeast if you're going to be, say, dairy-free. So, like, I made one today, actually, that was basil and hemp seeds and nutritional yeast and lemon and garlic and pepper and gorgeous extra virgin olive oil. And it went on top of, it. you know, it's going to go on top of everything this week. Whatever I have, it's going to go on top of my salmon. It's going to go on top of my eggs. It's going to go on top of my vegetables. It's kind of a, you know, recurring theme, but it is just so bright and flavorful and it makes each bite delicious. Mm, that is so, oh my gosh, I just want to eat everything right now. So staying in the, in number one at swap, we're now I'm looking at using different sweeteners. Okay. So you have dates. So I'm looking at the chocolate chip cookie dough bites. And this actually goes into number two, add nutrition ingre- ingredients, chia, gram flax seeds. These chocolate chip dough bites have dates, pecans, mm-hmm. and ground flax seeds. I mean, that's a real, that's a real win. <laughs> right. So that's, that's, that takes two of my tips. So the first tip on WAP, um, which, you know, we're using, you know, typical chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay. Well, that's flour, butter, sugar, you know, so we're using dates instead of our sugar. And when you process the dates, you know, we use the really good soft medjool dates. They go into the food processor and they get to be a nice sticky paste and you break down your raw pecans, but you can do, you know, almonds if you want, you can do whatever nut you like. Um, but I love pecans. And then the add, where we're trying to add some sneaky, healthy ingredients. So we're adding some ground flax seeds. So we're now increasing the omega-3 content of these cookie dough bites and the fiber content. So we're using, you know, no sugar, but we're using dates. We're using pecans for that excellent healthy fat and a little bit of protein. We're using the ground flax seeds for extra fiber and extra healthy fats. No one would know that this is a healthy cookie dough bite. People just look at it as delicious and it's actually going to give you a ton of energy and not leave you crashing an hour later like if you ate chocolate chip cookies. Well, it's funny because I'll make them for my daughter and I'll just call it cookie dough. And I remember the first time my husband, even though he knows a book and stuff, for for a second, I said, honey, come have your cookie dough for breakfast. He's like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this invasion of the body snatchers. You took my wife. (laughs) She's given our daughter cookies for breakfast. Totally. I I usually have some variation of the cookie dough bites in my refrigerator at all times. And yeah, my eight-year-old will open the refrigerator in the morning and he'll pop a couple of cookie dough bites along with his breakfast. And I don't say anything. All stealth 
nutrition. Exactly. Now, the pumpkin custard with coconut whipped cream, that utilizes the coconut sugar, but a very small amount. I mean, for the whole recipe, it's only two tablespoons. Talk to us a little bit about coconut sugar and then also monk fruit. Those are two things you hear a lot about. Right. So coconut sugar is really popular. Um, it, it, it's a nice brown sugar substitute, but the sugar from the coconut palm tree it doesn't raise your, it's a very low glycemic response. Now, of course, we're never eating just sugar by itself. So whether it's coming from dates or it's coming from coconut sugar, no one's eating sugar. And I'm not advocating for eating a straight sugar product. Your, your carbohydrates, whether they're coming from date sugar or coconut sugar or anything, should always be paired with some kind of protein and some kind of healthy fat to temper out any response it's going to have on your blood sugar level. Coconut sugar is an excellent brown sugar substitute. It's got that like rich caramel molasses-y type flavor. So you're getting a, a healthier response in your blood sugar level with the very that very beautiful warm, you know, brown sugar-like quality to it. And again, like you said, we're using two tablespoons in the entire recipe. So if you know you calculate that out over, you know, eight to ten servings, it's very <laughs> it's very little per serving, you know. But it's just enough. And then of course there are secret flavor enhancers. So you have to get the book to get the recipe to know what my secret flavor enhancers are for the recipe. But there it's my my favorite secret combos that makes the flavors excellent and beautiful and sing without requiring a ton of sugar to lift up the recipe. Exactly. Now let's go to adding nutritious ingredients. We talked a little bit about chia and ground flax seeds. Now acid is very important. I didn't realize this until I, until I started watching like cooking shows and they're like, oh my gosh, you have to have the acid. For people who don't know what that mm -hmm. means, what does that mean exactly? So Acid in the form of, say, a flavored vinegar or lemon juice, lime juice, so foods that are naturally acidic, when you add them to a savory dish, it will brighten the food. So in, you know, in most restaurants or in most recipe development, the two things that brighten the flavor of food are salt and acid. So most restaurants go really heavy handed on the salt because, again, that really brightens the flavor, which means the flavor stands out. But you can accomplish the same thing with less salt by adding more acidity. So I love to add a really big amount of lemon juice or a really good flavored vinegar at the end of cooking. So if I've cooked up a big pot of, say, the fried rice, the cauliflower fried rice, I'll add rice vinegar in there. So the rice vinegar will really make the flavors pop out. Or if I'm making something with you know fish or chicken or any kind of vegetable, a big amount of lemon juice. If I'm cooking, say something with Mexican spices, I'll do a big thing of lime juice in there and it really brightens the flavor of the dish. Yeah, it does. I love that. And it does make a difference when you don't have that acid component. Yeah, the dish is very flat. And that's when you watch cooking shows, they'll say you need more acid because the dish is very flat or it's very one note. So the acidity will really brighten your end product. And again, when you want to feel satisfied at the end of the meal, you have to have flavors that are really alive, if that makes sense. You know, you, if your flavors are bright and alive, you are more satisfied than if you just ate something plain with no seasoning. You'd feel full but not satisfied. You want to feel full and satisfied. Yeah. And, and speaking of that fullness, this goes into what to add, those healthy fats. And so many of your recipes have wonderful healthy fats, whether it's from nuts and seeds or we use avocado oil or avocado itself. It makes such a difference. Yeah, and healthy fats are so critical to the diet, to you know, to your good health, because like your brain is mostly fat. Every single cell membrane in your body is made up of fat. Your hormones, your sex hormones are made up of fat. 
you need to have a good, you need to have good quality of fat every single meal. And that should be coming from things like nuts and seeds, avocados, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, hemp seeds, macadamia nuts. These are all just impeccably sourced forms of healthy fat that's going to nourish your body down to the cellular level. So if you really want to have better health and decrease inflammation in your body, you need to get the good fats up in your diet. Oh, you really do. Let's go to number three, caramelize. Oh my gosh. I mean, for years, I wouldn't touch a Brussels sprout growing up. And then it's only been the last maybe five years or so, maybe longer. But my husband started roasting the vegetables with avocado oil and holy cow, the Brussels sprouts, you can't get enough of them. It like changed the game. It's a total game changer. You know, it's funny, Lisa, I'll tell you, when I was a kid growing up, I hated vegetables. I was the pickiest eater around. And you would laugh knowing me now. Because you would never think that I was super picky and was afraid of every single vegetable on the planet. And I had this opinion when I was about 24, where I was like, okay, I'm going to see what I'm missing out here. And all of a sudden, it was like, bah, you know, the clouds parted and the angels flying. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm missing out on all this good stuff. But of course, then it was a time of everything. Everyone was afraid of fat. So everyone was steaming everything. So vegetables weren't that exciting. So when when I started coming around with playing with roasting vegetables, it was a life-changing moment because when you caramelize the natural sugars, like we talked about earlier with the cauliflower, you caramelize the natural sugars found in every single vegetable. You bring this natural, you pull out the natural sweetness. You enhance the natural sweetness that's in every vegetable. So onions, peppers, zucchini, broccoli, cauliflower, eggplant, carrots, sweet potatoes, butternut squash, the list goes on and on and on. You can caramelize natural sugars found in romaine lettuce. You know, you can caramelize the natural sugars in every single vegetable, but it's not only vegetables. You can caramelize the natural sugars found in fruit to really intensify the flavor of that. You can caramelize the natural sugars found in proteins. Yes, animal proteins have sugar. So if you get a nice brown exterior on your steak, on your chicken, on your fish, it's going to taste so much better than if you just say baked it or steamed it or, you know, threw it into a pot of soup. You know, it's not going to be very exciting, but if you can caramelize the, you know, sear the outside of, of your chicken thighs or the skin on the salmon or, you know, get a good sear on your steak, it's going to taste far better. You are so right. We need to take a break. We're going to hear from our sponsors and then we'll be right back. All right, Erin. So one of the ones I love getting back to the caramelizing is the miso maple glazed rainbow carrots because those have such a nice flavor when they're roasted as well. And I never really thought about roasting carrots. You know, the first time I roasted carrots, and I don't like raw carrots. I'm not the kind of person who likes to dip carrots in hummus or carrots in guacamole, although it's healthy. But did you know that actually all the you know beta carotene and other phytochemicals that are found in carrots are actually better absorbed when the carrot is cooked and presented in the presence of some kind of healthy fat? So you're now releasing and making more bioavailable all those chemicals that are anti-inflammatory when you actually cook the carrots. So roasting them better than, say, steaming them, you're, again, caramelizing the outside of the carrot and keeping the inside really nice and soft and tender. And you get the best of both worlds. You get the super sweet exterior and this super delicate interior. And then, of course, the miso glaze that goes on there. Miso is just 
fabulous. Miso, miso should be in everything. You know, miso is a fermented soybean paste, which, you know, has been a staple of Japanese cuisine for really, for eons, you know. And miso comes in a variety of different colors, everything from very, very mellow, white and yellow miso, to incredibly dark and intense fermented red and brown. And I usually use the white or the yellow miso paste because it's a lot more mellow. It's an, either entry, it's an easier entry point into the world of miso. But miso is rich in umami, you know, that fifth taste, which just means earthy, which I describe as just down, soul, good, you know, comfort food, your bones, where you're just like, mm-mm, good. <laughs> that, that is umami. And that's what miso provides, mm. you know, and you can use that glaze on fish, on chicken, on pretty much anything you want to cook. It's going to taste totally awesome on. Oh, that is great. Now, in the book, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex, in Chapter 14, we have the Clean Eating Dictionary, ABCs of Sexual Health. And so what I did was I put together the foods that are scientifically shown to do things like increase blood flow and help with free radicals and make your uh, cell walls more flexible. Those things all have to do with, you know, having better sexual health along with healthy fats, which help with hormones. And there's a lot of good stuff around that. So when I gave you this list of food, what what were like if you know what were some of the first? Th- I'm going to ask that again. So when I gave you the list of food, what's the first thing you do? At, you know, when you're like, okay, I need to create recipes, and I want them to have that umami and the acid and the you know enough salt and enough spice and all that. What what do you what do you do? I, I would be so overwhelmed. But then again, this is your forte. <laughs> Well, first I have to think, you know, is this going to be, you know, a main course? Is this going to be a side dish? Is this going to be a lunch or a dinner type thing or a breakfast thing? And then I start thinking of the different layers and components that are going to go into it. So, for example, if I'm going to build a bowl, you know, what's my base? Is my base going to be cauliflower rice or sweet potato rice or a plantain rice? You know, something like that. What's my hearty base going to be? What's my main protein going to be? Is it going to be chicken, fish, shrimp, steak? turkey cutlets, you know, something like that. And then what are my veggies going to be going into it? I usually try to get at least three colors in if I can. So something orange, something green, and then white, I'll call like, you know, my onions and garlic. And then what's my flavor profile I want to channel? Do I want, and again, I go around the world and I think along the lines of a lot of times different ethnic cuisines. And I try to channel those herbs and spices and the acidity that goes along with it. And it all gets put together to create a dish. So it's all about layers. What are my layers of texture? What are my layers of different food components? And what are my layers of flavor going to go in? Erin, you are absolutely amazing. You just blow me away every time I have you on. I want to have you on a lot. I know the audience will want to have you on a lot as well. We mentioned Clean Eating Dirty Sex, which has your... I don't know why I can't talk today. We mentioned Clean Eating Dirty Sex. I Thank you so much for talking about some of those recipes because I just think they're absolutely fantastic. And I've gotten such a great response from people who got the book. They just love them. And I pointed them to your other books as well. Before I let you go today, tell us a little bit about your other books. So I have two books that I have co-authored with my partner, my U Rock Girl partner, who actually also happens to be my cousin. So my cousin Tiffany and I, we have, you know, had our company U Rock Girl for, oh my goodness, about 10 years now. And we are the authors of two books. The first book that came out was No Excuses, 50 Healthy Ways to Rock Breakfast, which was 50 amazing breakfast recipes. And then as soon as we came out with that, everyone was asking us, so when are you going to come out with the lunch and dinner cookbook? So we worked very hard on coming up with you know, 50 Healthy Ways to Rock Lunch and Dinner. And that came out uh, about a year and a half ago. And I cook from it almost every single day. There's always something 
every day from that cookbook because I just love every single recipe. I can't play favorites. They're all so good. So we have those two cookbooks and way more recipes on the website as well. So yourockgirl.com is our website and we're very active on social media, especially Instagram. And then of course, you know, we're the, we're both the dietitians for clean eating magazine. So we write a lot of, we create a lot of meal plans and recipes and write a lot of articles for them and online programs. We're super busy with them. And we love what we do. I love cooking. I think, you know, food is the greatest expression of love. It's the way we celebrate together. It's what unites a family and brings us all around the table together. It's a common denominator. We can all relate to food. And, you know, if, it, if that's what brings everyone to the table and it allows you to have a relationship with people and con- great conversation, and you walk away at the end of it feeling satisfied and full and happy and content, my job oh, is done. Aaron, I just think you're fantastic. I would love to cook with you someday. You know, it's funny, Aaron and I have still not met in person. <laughs> Come to California and we will cook for like three okay, days straight. Okay, see, I need, I need to make that happen. <laughs> All right, Aaron, tell everybody how they can find you on social media. So you can find us on social media. Our Instagram page is you underscore rock underscore girl. Um, we're also having you rock girl on Facebook at you rock girl on Twitter. Um, but the best place to find me posting on a consistent basis uh, is on Instagram, um, Instagram feed, Instagram stories. And of course, subscribe to you rock girl. It is a complete, completely free subscription. We send out a free Friday email every single week. That's got a recipe of the week, a workout of the week as well as great articles of just really good, solid information that'll help you nourish your mind, body, and spirit. Oh, fantastic. And to continue to nourish your mind, body, and spirit, please subscribe to Talk Healthy Today, rate and review, get more people here because I am so passionate about this show. I absolutely love AIM Media. They do Clean Eating Magazine, Yoga Journal, Muscle and Performance. And speaking of Clean Eating Magazine, my dear, (laughs) how long have you been working with them? I think I've lost count. <laughs> it's, been quite, it's been quite a number of years. You know, we've had a regular column called Ask the Dietitians. But like I said, we, we've actually created two online academy programs for them. One, which is a 28 Real Food Reboot, 28, sorry, 28 Day Real Food Reboot, which is basically how do you reboot your body in less than a month by eating real whole clean foods, but we break it down in a very systematic week by week fashion. And if you want something more in depth, we created a nine week whole life guide to lasting weight loss, which we tackle sleep and stress, exercise, cooking, nutrition, you helping you figure out what's the right program for you. Cause there is no one diet, you know, that fits all. And everybody is a unique individual. So what your needs are are going to be different than what my needs are and then what's different than the next person's needs. And we help you figure that out in that program. So they're both totally unique. The 28-Day Real Food Reboot is a great jumpstart. Like if you like at the beginning of the year or somewhere mid-year, you know, if you need a little bit of a reboot or right before the holidays or right (laughs) after the holidays. And then the nine-week program is a great thing to transition to because it really teaches you more long-term behavior modification things on how to really change your lifestyle. So you can make changes that will last, not temporary changes. Now, if people go to the archives of Talk Healthy Today, we did an interview about this. Uh, so be sure to just go through and look for Aaron McDonald, RD. And again, please subscribe, rate, review. We're so thrilled to be back. We're so thrilled to be doing Talk Healthy Today. I'm just beyond excited. You can also follow me at Health Media Gal one Just 
the number one, not O-N-E. And please do go and check out my book, Clean Eating Dirty Sex. You can find it on www.itsyourhealthwithlisadavis.com. Or if that's too long to remember, just go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or one great, well, there's many great things about Skyhorse Publishing, but they have gotten it into so many stores. And I was so excited. I got to go back to where I grew up and this place we used to go to all the time called the Emporium. I guess it's kind of like a Macy's. It's now a Barnes and Noble. And to have my book there was really exciting. I mean, I miss the Emporium. It brought back, you know, that's the first time I ever rode on an escalator. It's totally unrelated, but I was super afraid. I was four and my dad's like, just try it, just try it. And then he couldn't get me off of it for an hour because I kept <laughs> I kept going up and down. So as sad as I was to see the Emporium gone, to see my book at Barnes & Noble in in San Jose, California on uh, Almaden Expressway was pretty darn exciting. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, please uh, do come back to Talk Healthy today.